Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I don't know about you, but I don't know uh, that Christmas really felt like it was Christmas in some ways. It sort of, it's come and gone so quickly, so fast. And yet I think about the things we talk about at Christmas time, and for people that walk with God, they are things we should have every day in our lives. You know, we at Christmas time, I was pre- speaking in a church just uh, the other week, and they asked me to speak about Christmas, and I spoke about the wonderful gift of God's grace and, and the gift of His guidance and, and the gift of His guarantee. But those things aren't just for Christmas. They're not just for certain times during the year but every day for those that walk with Jesus. There's a difference between being a churchian and a Christian and being a Christian, it is the fruits of Christmas every day in our lives. And we've been through some tough times and this last year has been tough. And many of you know our story and I don't wanna go over it every time I come, but the last two years for me have been a very difficult time of dealing with post-cancer issues. And I'm still dealing with those issues now. And the last three days have been quite traumatic in some ways. And here here we are again this morning, serving God, uh, worshiping God, uh, because God's power is real. In the midst of difficult times, When I was diagnosed with cancer, within 20 minutes of being told that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and that I had to have many blood transfusions at that time, uh, I may have shared this with you before, but three things happened that have never left. God's peace filled my life. It was a peace I couldn't describe. I I started to cry and Sharon said, uh, uh, you'll be okay, it'll be fine. I said, I'm not crying because I'm upset. I just sense this over overwhelming inner peace that we've preached about, but I now know. You know, I, I experienced God being present. You know, as charismatics or Pentecostals, we often uh, talk about the presence of God. You know, for me, it's just God being present. Sometimes it's not just goosebumps and feelings. It's just the knowing that He's there. And in my hospital room, I sensed He was present with me to the point where nurses would come in and go, what's the aura in this room? I got to pray with nurses. I got to pray with doctors. I got to pray with a young man who brought me food and I needed to pray before hospital food and uh, not pray for him. Uh, it's, it's not getting better, by the way. And uh, he comes in with the food. He goes, you're Pastor Danny, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He said, I used to go to your youth group many years ago at Paradise but now my life really sucks. I got tubes in my arms. I got a blood, blood transfusion taking place. I'm not feeling the greatest. And he goes to me, I don't think God will take me back. God won't have me back. And as I began to talk to him and the tears began to flow, presence of God filled that hospital room and I was able to pray for him. You see, the peace of God never left me. His presence, he was present, but his purpose never left. He said to me, you don't need a podium, you just need a platform. And every believer in the true Jesus 
has a platform every day to be his voice. And whether I stand on one of these stages again or not, it's not important because every moment I'm alive, I don't have a ministry. I am ministry. We are ministry. And so it's great to celebrate Christmas, but I'm so grateful. Uh, can I be honest and say, I watch carols by candlelight and the stuff that the community put on, and I get a little bit agitated watching people sing about something they know nothing about. You just sense it's not that real. You sense they don't even know what the words mean. There's a part of me that go, that belongs to us. But you know what? I'm going to say something that's not a cliche. It's the truth. The best days for Christianity are ahead of us. There is a reinvention. There is a coming back together of the biblical model of Christianity. And I am so excited about the future. Over the next couple of messages, not today, I want to share prophetically what I see God is saying to the church. Often when we talk about revival, you know, it's actually reshuffle. It's how many bottoms on seats in a building. But revival is when that which once was alive comes back to life. And I believe the church's best days are ahead. Christianity is being clarified. And it's not just about going to a meeting, although we need to gather. But it's what we do in the scatter when we scatter and be the church in our community. And so today in this in-between time between Christmas and New Year, I want to share something that's very, very real to me. It is, I guess, a bit of a testimony, my own story of how I approach these kind of times. New Year's resolutions. We make them every year. We break them within about a week, you know. And I, every year, have faced the future with, it's going to be better. At the end of 2015, I said, 2016 is going to be such a better year. And only a couple of weeks into January, as you know, our son died. The following year, I thought, well, 217, I don't know for how, what I can believe for. I was diagnosed with bowel cancer. Got through that one, and at the beginning of 218, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I mean, have you had one of those eras? <laughs> so you get a bit funny about, well, I'm going to believe next year is going to be greater. It's not wrong to have New Year's resolutions, and it's not wrong to believe for greater days. I'm not trying to say the opposite of that, but I've got something better. Something better than, is, than a New Year's resolution. Was it Anthony Albanese the other day? He said he wants to throw 2020 in the bin. And you know, we don't like 2020. We haven't liked it. But the honesty is we don't know what 2021 is going to be like. We don't really know. And let's believe for great things. I'm not saying we don't, but I got something better. You see, it says in the book of Revelation that John was in the spirit on, in the Lord, on the Lord's day on the Isle of Patmos. How can you be on an island full of mad people and be in the spirit on the Lord's day? I've been a little ticked, you've got to allow me, with Christians freaking out over COVID. I'm thinking we should shine the brightest in times like that. Oh, we can't wait to get back to church. Oh, the amount of tweets, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. He lives within me. Everywhere I go is the church and in dark times, we shine the brightest. I've led more people to faith through my illness than I, than I did for years before. 
I'm connected to a community that doesn't know Christ, not because they're waiting for me to be perfect, but one, I'm honest, and two, I have a strength, an inner strength, that no matter what COVID may bring, we have an eternal hope. We have something that is far greater than just this. And a lot of Christians don't really believe that deep down. I want to share for a few moments on rather than making New Year's uh, revolutions, (laughs) revolutions, New Year's resolutions, why don't we make non-negotiable life choices? Non-negotiable life's choices. Three weeks ago, I got to do the funeral of my mum. I didn't know how it would go. I said to dad, dad, please, can someone else do it? I might cry too much and I'm Italian. All the rallies will be crying. He says, no, I want you to do your mum's funeral. And you know, I didn't know what to say at first. I thought I don't want it to be this sort of religious service where half the people there are my non-church going relatives. I want to share something that's true to my mum, but also very real and something that would give hope. And in my mind came the thought, she made amazing choices. My mum came to faith as a nine-year-old girl in a little town in southern Italy where a missionary came to this small town called Benevento in southern Italy and the whole village, practically three-quarters of the village came to faith. A revival broke out in this town where my dad's family, my mum's family and, and, and lots of relatives encountered God by one man making a choice to go to a little village and share the good news. You see, our choices are not just about us. They affect so many. They can affect the world. My mum married my dad at a young age and they went as missionaries to South America to take the message they'd received to a place in Montevideo, Uruguay, in South America. My dad helped plant a church with another relative. 22 churches flowed out of that one. Today, the 90-year-old man that helped dad start that church is still preaching. Thousands of people have been touched in Brazil and other parts of South America. In 1960, my parents made a choice to come to Australia, to migrate and be with family. And in 1960, we arrived and a church was born here in Adelaide, a little Italian group, and I was raised in that community. And all of a sudden, I realized my mother made the choice to follow Christ. She made a choice to remain faithful under pressure, to come to a country she knew nothing about, to say yes to a call she didn't fully comprehend, many years of loneliness without her family, All her siblings were overseas. Many times I would walk in, excuse me, to my parents' home and my mum would be in tears, missing her family. She felt like an orphan, but she was the loudest singer in church. She thought she could sing and she sang very loud and she got a bit operatic too and the kids in the church would sort of sniggle and laugh. We went through a lot of pain as migrants in this country, but she stayed faithful under pressure. 
And she had a faith in eternity that she always sang about. And I thought, pretty good choices. Because I've had a chance to travel the world, and I'm not saying that boastfully, to represent Jesus and to share with people because of my mum's choice. It affected my choice. And while she never stood on a platform, I was able to build on that which she put in me. And as I began to share at my mum's funeral, some of my non-church-going relatives burst into tears. They came to me afterwards and said, you've really got us thinking now. Because some of them did not make those choices. The power of making choices and ones we don't have to regret. Choices that we can make that will last us a lifetime. Deuteronomy chapter 30 Verse 19, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness. The choice you make, oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants may live. You can make this choice by, one, loving the Lord. Two, obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. Joshua 24. So fear the Lord, verse 14 and 15, and serve Him wholeheartedly. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, choose today who you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And I look back now at generational choices. My grandkids now are the fifth generation of Christians in our family in a Catholic-dominated part of Italy where today now there are hundreds, thousands of churches worshipping the Lord because of a man's choice to go to a town. That town only has about 900 people in it now and over 15 or 16 pastors have been born out of that town that have gone all over the world. I'm grateful for my mum's choices But I'm also grateful that they float into my life. We make choices every day. Some good, not so bad. Some bad, some not so good. What did I just say? (laughs) You know what I mean. How many of you remember the movie with Sean Penn, I Am Sam? I think if you've watched that movie, you will cry your eyes out. Of a mentally challenged man that had to fight to keep his daughter who she was, she was okay, he was mentally challenged and so they were trying to fight him in court so he couldn't have custody of his daughter. And he went and got a job in a diner to make money to show that he could look after his daughter and no matter what anybody bought when they went into the diner, he would say, that's a wonderful choice. That's a wonderful choice. And so he was feeding people and telling everybody no matter what they bought, it was a wonderful choice. But life's not like that. We make choices every day, some Turn out not so good. I've made some crazy ones in my life. I think I've shared here a long time ago at a men's uh, breakfast one time how when I was at Paradise as a youth pastor, I'm into cars and I love cars and I picked up the bargain of the century. A V8 Calais Commodore. It was immaculate. It was the top of the range with a V8 engine and it was a, oh, it was a, a friend of mine said to me, if you don't buy it, I will. I thought, this has to be God. (laughs) This has to be such a provision from heaven. I bought it off a little 80-year-old man. 
At Burnside Village, he used to hang out. My friend said he, he can't drive anymore. He's got to sell the car. To cut a long story short, friends, he was the front for a crooked crash repair. His son had cut the car in half and joined. There had been two cars joined together, cut in half. I took it through a car wash one day when I had to pick up a visiting pre preacher from the airport and the car filled with water. <laughs> I used to wonder why it used to sort of drag to the side a bit. And I'd been showing off. I'd been telling Ashley Evans, I'm the guy with cars. I know how to get a bargain. <laughs> he laughed at me when they took that car off the road. It got, it got taken off the road. The guy got arrested. It was an incredible story. Ashley, Ashley Evans laughed so much and then he brought a car around to my place. He bought, he goes, I got the car. He bought an ex-taxi without realising it. And I thought, you don't want to laugh at me. It'll come back to get you. When I was about 12 years old, my dad and I used to ride our bikes to Burnside and we used to go and do gardening every Saturday morning for a very rich doctor. And he was more than retired, he was now in his 80s and they were about to sell the home and move into a retirement village and they had no children, him and his wife. And he called me in one day and he said, I wanna give you a gift. He gave my dad a 1948 Pontiac, the car that he had with the running boards and oh, beautiful car, gave it to my dad because he wasn't gonna drive anymore. And he brings out an old mahogany box and it was, you could smell, it had the sort of like the violin, um, you know, the inside of a violin case type lining on the inside. It smelled really nice. It was mahogany. I opened it up and I didn't quite know what it was, but it was a brass microscope. And this microscope was brought out on a sailing ship to Australia as one of the first bits of medical equipment or you know, a microscope. And he gave it to me and I didn't know what to do with it, put some sour sobs under there and I was only 12, I didn't quite know what it was. And one day at school, my friend Jerry Anucci, we were having, we were playing marbles. And he had beautiful marbles. And he says, and I said to him, I'll swap you. I swapped the microscope for a bag of marbles. They were nice marbles. The big ones, the coloured ones. And then one day I realised what I'd done. I went back to Jerry. I said, Jerry, have you still got the microscope? He goes, nah, I chucked it out. What would that be worth today? An original brass microscope. But I didn't know the value of that treasure and I swapped it for a bag of marbles. There's a world out there today that God has a treasure for them, has something of great value, something that is so awesome. But the world's got colourful things that look better than what are the essential things to keep us going. The choices we can make that can take us through every tragedy, through every circumstance. And so I realised what a terrible choice that was. I better move on but I wanna share with you the choices I've made over 40 years that I'll never regret. And I wanna share them with you today because I don't need New Year's resolutions. I don't know what next year's gonna bring. I do feel vulnerable. I've still gotta have operations. My health is not through yet and, and it's okay because of these choices. And I wanna give them to you today because they're not profound, you know, they're not deep, but they're real and they work. 
and they've worked for me for 40 years. You know, all these Christians running around about, you know, the conspiracy, uh, you know, is, uh, is Donald Trump, you know, sent by, oh, oh my Lord, we don't want to go there. I, I, I say to people, Donald Trump is sent by God because the Bible says the last Trump shall sound. And so, <laughs> oh, bad dad joke, bad, 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 bad. But you know what? Sometimes as Christians, we run around looking for the concealed and we don't obey the revealed. What's the use of chasing the concealed if we don't already obey the revealed? And all my life, I've never chased the concealed. The things I don't know, I don't know. And the older I get, the more I don't care. There's so much I'll never know the answer to. Why did God take your son? How am I going to answer that? All I know is I can trust sovereignty when there's no clarity. Because of the choices that I've been able to make that don't make me live fake. These things are very, very real to me because the revealed Word of God gives me the things I need to stay strong in the midst of the storm. So many times, as I said, we want the concealed, but we don't obey the revealed. So here they are. Number one, I might not be able to get through all of them, but we'll, we'll see. Number one, I've chosen all my life to live surrendered. Number one, choose to live surrendered. Don't just accept God's gift of eternal life. Surrender to Him your temporal life. You know, we think it's pie in the sky when we die, but we need some steak on the plate while we wait. And so, you know, it's like, that's a real old one. It's not, yeah. I'll blame it. I'm not feeling well, okay. So, yeah. I've surrendered my temporal life to Him. I did that by embracing the Bible, not as the great suggestion, but as my manual to life. And so the revealed in Scripture that's clear I don't need interpretation for. I have made a choice to live surrendered to that. Matthew 6, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be subtracted from you. No, they'll be added to me. You see, people think favour is a new car. Favour is a house in the best suburb in Adelaide. These Hebrew boys that were thrown into a fiery furnace, where did the favour go? The favour they had in the palace is the same favour they had in the furnace. The God that was with them in a time of opportunity and influence is the same God that's with them in a time of opposition and attack. Otherwise, it's not Christianity if everything goes well. I remember being in a hospital bed and I get a phone call to go to Zurich to go and do a conference I had to cancel before because of cancer. And I said to the guys, I don't know if I can come. They said, we really feel you need to. And I felt in my heart that I needed to leave the hospital and go to this conference for three days in Zurich. My wife says, you're nuts. You're crazy. You are getting treatment. You can't do this. I started crying. I said, Sharon, I've got to do this. I know I've got to do it. To cut a long story short, I arrive in Zurich, sick as a dog. They had to put me into a medical clinic when I got there. 
And as they came to get me eventually to go from the hotel to the meeting, the pastors were in tears. They said, on your way here, our worship pastor who was supposed to lead this conference, there were 4,000 people booked into the conference. She dropped dead, 35 years old. And they said, Danny, will you stop preaching what you were going, don't preach what you were going to preach. Can you just tell us how to handle grief? having lost your son and to be able to see young people just crying their eyes out as I began to talk to them about the pain of grief. And I came home. I was only there a couple of days, back in hospital. A pastor from Sydney rings me up and he says to me, why didn't God heal you? So you could be there with strength. And I said, well, anybody can preach when they feel strong. It's a bit different when you don't feel like it. He says, well, it's not fair. You've had enough. You've been through enough. I said, I don't make that call. The next morning in my Bible journaling, it was Galatians where Paul says to the Galatians, I'm so glad you didn't reject me when I came to visit you because I was sick. You would have taken out your own eyes for me. Oh, Galatians, what's happened to you? Why have you changed? And I began to look at the life of the Apostle Paul and I realised that the purpose of his life wasn't thwarted by his illness. It wasn't thwarted. I'm not preaching to stay alive. I'm not preaching so that I get another day on the planet. No, I was born with a purpose. I'm still breathing. I will fulfil that purpose. Why? Because in all things, I will live surrendered. When God called me into the ministry in 1983, we used to hang out with a lot of people from Paradise Youth and we used to play cards. We used to play memory and all these card games and have lasagna nights at our house on Saturday night. Now I'm called to the ministry. I lost all those friends. Oh, you know, you become all spiritual now. Oh, now you're you're, you're better than us. Oh, now you're in the engine room with the big shots. I thought, no, I'm responding to a call of God. It's amazing how many people got offended. They said, you're going to be lonely. You're going to be out of touch with reality. You're going to get all fanatical and weird. You're going to have no time. One of my cousins said to me, he's a builder. He goes, you're never going to travel the world. You're never going to go anywhere. You're going to just be churchy, churchy, churchy. Well, you know, the Italians, they came, they saw, they concreted. And so um, <laughs> he's still trying to cement his relationships. But anyway, oh. <laughs> he's nearly 70. His hands are all cut and calloused because he's still bricklaying. I've been all over the world at somebody else's expense. I've eaten all kinds of foods in France, Italy, been... I didn't know that was going to happen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And you might not all go traveling around the world, but whatever it is that God wants to add to your life will be added because it's an added life, not a subtracted life. If you live a surrendered life. Number two, I chose many years ago to, choose, to live others oriented. I remember being offered a church in Caloundra five acres of land and a brand new VN Commodore. I remember praying. I said to Sharon, do you think we should go? She goes, don't pray about it. Let's just go. <laughs> she was joking. 
I remember praying and God saying, don't you ever, don't you ever make a decision that's best for Danny. Only make decisions that are best for the kingdom and I'll look after Danny. You know, folks, today, this is simplifying it a bit, but I think there's only two kinds of people in the world, givers and takers. Givers and takers. Takers can give, but it's always what it's going to cost them because they want to take out of life. Other people give and they get embarrassed taking. My dad is the greatest giver I've ever met in my life. He really is. And you know, when you give him something, I'm going to go home and cook lunch for him today because mum's gone. He lives down the road. He hates taking. He's just a giver, loves to give. And in church life, we can be takers. Don't like that program. Don't like this. They didn't talk to me. They didn't do this. I don't go to church to get because I don't want to be disappointed. I want to go to give. I want to be a giver in life. And I made a decision years and years ago that I would choose to live others oriented. Mental illness in people starts when they become centripetal, inward looking. It's a journey to depression. The studies are there that prove that when people just become inward looking, me, 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 life becomes dark. Things don't go well. And I want to say this morning, choose a life of living for others. I made that decision many, many years ago. It's helped me have a clean conscience, inner peace, a sense of fulfilment, a sense of assignment, a sense of purpose, a sense of divine favour, and so on. Number three, choose to live strategically. Choose to live strategically. What I mean by that is don't waste your disappointments. I'm going to take every opportunity that comes my way and not waste it. I could have wasted the cancer journey. Why? Use it for God's glory. To be able to lead my friend Peter, who owned La Cucina Restaurant at North Adelaide, who's passed away at 50, who knocked on my door and said, I heard you got cancer, I've got cancer. And says, Danny, teach me how to pray. And as I taught him how to pray, he sends me his prayer the following day and they read it at his funeral. Told me that he'd never known God like this. He died, I lived. You can't work some of that stuff out. But I'm not going to try. I'm going to live strategically and I'm going to take every opportunity, whether it's my last day or whether I've got many days, I'm going to make everything that happens to me and around me to strategically take me from stress to strategy. Moses telling God he wants to die because the people were driving him crazy. If God was Italian, He would have kissed him and gone, my darling boy, don't you worry. Everything going to be okay. But God doesn't give Moses sympathy. He gives him strategy. And I made a decision years ago that every stress in my life, every attack, every misunderstanding, everything that can go wrong, I'm going to live strategically and I'm going to take that opportunity and I'm going to grow rather than groan because that's how I am going to live from stress to strategy. I tell you, it works. We've run out of time, but can I just do one more? Might be able to do it. I've got 10 of them, but I won't give them all today. This one's important. Live a lifestyle of forgiveness. 
as a young youth pastor many years ago, the Lord took me to Luke 17. One day Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. Another believer, if a believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. And I remember I was reading this in my early years of ministry and God gave me this pattern. He says, Danny, your actions will hurt other people and your reactions will hurt you. So live a life of forgiveness and make sure that your actions will not hurt other people. You know, they can hurt people. So make sure they don't hurt people and your reactions will screw you up. I was preaching in Geelong at a Baptist event and a young girl comes to the altar call and she looks up to me and she goes, I hate you. I said, I don't even know you. She goes, I hate you. You see, you come from that Clemsic church, that Paradise church. And my father was on staff there in the children's area. And then they changed everything and he didn't like it. And for the last 15 years, whatever, I couldn't remember the length of time, but a long time, all we got around the kitchen table was his anger towards the church, towards the AOG, towards this, towards that. She goes, I just hated listening to it. And then God got hold of my life. And I've gone to a Baptist church and I've gone to a Baptist college and I feel the call of God. But that whole rehearsal and my dad doesn't go anywhere now and hates the church. And I just looked at her, I said, I'm really sorry. Because you see the church he hated, they don't even know he feels that way. People have just moved on. They don't know he's carrying that pain. And what he was doing is he was messing up his own life. And friends, we live in a world, in a church world, where there's so many things that go wrong at times. But I made a choice. It's a wonderful choice that I'm going to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. Because of me, I'm selfish. I want to live with a clean conscience and a good heart. And so if people don't receive my forgiveness, that's not my problem. But I'm going to live a lifestyle of forgiveness Living surrendered means you'll live extended. Living for others, oh, just creates a better world, I tell you. I love living for others. We've had neighbours that I didn't know. They're very high level doctors and they've just shifted to a more ritzy suburb. Dropped into our house last night. We've just loved on them and loved on them and loved on them. And he just looked at me and he goes, you know, Danny, None of what I'm going through would be happening if it wasn't for the blessing of the Almighty. Didn't even know they were listening. But just loved on them. Just loved on them. Live for others. Live a life of forgiveness. Live strategically. You know what? That doesn't have to be a New Year's resolution. That's a life choice. It's a wonderful choice. Father, today, I thank you for these awesome people. The simplicity of this message today, Lord, I pray, will not bypass us because it's not in the, the words of it, but it's in the action of it. I thank you for my mum today. 
she made some wonderful choices so I could stand here today having made great choices. I pray, Father, as people leave this room today, my prayer and our prayer is that it will be awesome, 2021, that we'll be free from this COVID and we'll get back to some level of normality. But if not, but if not, Lord, can you help us make choices that won't make us fall apart, but choices that will carry us every day. Lord, today, I thank you for these awesome people. And as we move forward, may we have hope that the church is the answer to a broken world in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 